Uh, our very own Captain Ravishing is, is just stood in, in, in <laughs> to, to, to join us to talk is about the conference. Is that a compliment or is it? Well, I want to ask Terry Henderson about Captain Ravishing because Captain because uh, Terry Henderson has had great paces over the years as well. And his impression of Captain Ravishing, uh, we were talking about how that we thought he was being sold on auction, but he actually it was a bit of a furphy, I think. Terry, good morning. Oh. To, uh, good afternoon, Terry. Good afternoon, Matt. What, what do you make of Captain Ravishing? We're about to talk to Dan Malecki about Captain Ravishing. A, a very exciting horse. You um, you know you've gone the early crow a little, Matt. Um, this is a horse that really hasn't mixed it at the top yet. Mm. Uh, we're really looking forward to him doing that, and uh, hopefully that'll happen in Sydney. Uh, and he may be uh, what you're, you know, saying that he is. But well, uh, I'm they put the cart before the horse, but now I'm just jumping on because it's fun. <laughs> uh, the other thing with the the paces, Terry, is that they don't often race outside of their own age group, like say thoroughbred horses do when. You might win a guineas, then go race, you know, wait for age. It yeah. doesn't happen so much in, in the harness racing. No, well, it doesn't. Um, we, with a horse called Shokin, I think, were the first three-year-old to run in the Miracle Mile, and it was a disaster. Yep. Um, you know, those uh, paces that need that little bit of ring craft, perhaps more than our thoroughbreds do, to be able to mix it with those, you know, hardened, tested, uh, aged uh, paces. Mm. Uh, but, um, look, this is an exciting horse, and uh, it's fantastic that the harness racing industry has got a horse like this coming through and there are others as well. Absolutely. Terry, there's been so much thrown around this week uh, both at the conference and in the media about all sorts of issues in racing. There's the New South Wales Victorian stuff going on, talk about dress codes and uh, and all sorts of things. What's been the key takeouts for you so far uh, from the conference itself? Well, I, I wasn't here for yesterday's but the word was about the development of the um, communication system and the technology that our industry and every other industry is going to have to adapt to as we go forward. And for me, that's that's very exciting because one of the reasons that racing, particularly in Australia, has really taken off amongst ownership in the last decade is that we've had these terrific systems that enable trainers to communicate without everyone being on the phone every two minutes. And owners now feel a lot more involved as a result of getting this good communication that they would have in the past where, frankly, many of them were treated like mushrooms. They were put in the corner and told things when they needed to be told. Uh, nowadays, it's a, a different kettle of fish. And I think we can, we can thank technology for that. Uh, communication's been a real change agent for, for ownership. And I guess they're the pluses and the, the, just the, the ease of use of phones to do whatever and so on, but it's also created a few potential headaches and that's with uh, the ease of gambling and things like that as well and uh, the reasons not to go on course are that you can sit at home and do everything on your phone. So technology's brought racing's virtues and challenges at the same time, hasn't it? Well, it has. Uh, you know, gambling's one aspect and, you know, we've got to acknowledge that gambling's the lifeblood of our stake money. Uh, and the other aspect is people's access to be experts through social media. And, and you know, that puts out messages that are really uh, worrying at times because we know there's so much crap put out into the marketplace uh, by people that simply don't know. Uh, and, uh, you know, that, that, that worries you. So, you know, with most things that come in, there's always a good and a bad part of it. But we, you know, overall, I think the fact that we've had that communication or those systems is, is good. But it certainly worries me that we get so much misinformation about the way the racing industry works through social media. Terry, there's always something to talk about in racing. These conferences present that. There's, you know, on the radio, we're, we're discussing different issues each and every day. But what are the things that you think we should be talking about to make sure that racing 
um, flourishes over the next few years? What are the most important issues? The single, the single biggest issue for me is a social licence. You know, we can't turn the television on and not see a gambling ad, you know, within 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to see, for every one of those gambling ads, an ad that actually promotes racing as a sport and as a responsible activity. Something that really encourages people to see racing for what it really is and not what some minorities portray it as. And those minorities often have a loud voice. So I don't think that in these good times, and we've had really good times during COVID when there's been a lot of money in the sport, there's been a lot more people come into racing, that we've spent nearly enough money on telling the broader uh, community how good racing is how responsible people in racing are with their horses, how well the horses are treated, um, how we're going down a track to make sure we've got whole-of-life management policies for our horses and so that they can see racing as a truly responsible activity and, as a result of that, encourage young people to come in because if we keep this dialogue going that we're seeing in some sectors of our community where racing is portrayed as something that's that's cruel and that's mm. you know not socially acceptable, well you know, that's going to affect us downstream significantly. There are some um, misinformation quashes out there, and one of them is uh, Hermani Fitzgerald, who has worked for you in the past. She, part of her role these days is she's working for a group that is aiming at uh, sort of diffusing misinformation in racing, and, and there are others as well. Yeah, tell us a bit about those those sort of startups that have that have. They've, they've sort of started independently, haven't they? Independently of the PRAs, but people have thought enough of the need to clarify that they've basically started up their own uh, Twitter handles and so on to, to, to sort of correct misinformation. They, they have, and uh, they're certainly to be complimented in doing it because what they're doing is incredibly important work. And, uh, you know, we're very happy to be funding some of them, including Amani's operation, to, to actually make sure that we get the right information out there. But, you know, while that's good, this, this shouldn't be their responsibility. This should be the responsibility of Racing Victoria and Racing New South Wales and the other jurisdictions. Um, you know, we, we, we concentrate so often on the state money, on the ability to be able to put the races on uh, without worrying us enough about what's ahead and getting that message out. Hey, uh, we've got a, dog, a greyhound race at Shepparton. We do. We in do. Uh, in a 30 seconds, Terry. Update on I'm Thunderstruck. Terrific. That's all we need. Big tick after the all. Happy? Very happy. Yeah. Um, couldn't do any more. Okay. Very good. Uh, Terry, appreciate you dropping by. Uh, enjoy the rest of the conference and uh, good luck with all of the OTI team. Oh, we've, oh, I know we've got to go to Shepparton, but that uh, horse that you gave Michael Felgate off air, I'll grab that off, you, off air as well off you now if you don't have mind. We got, have we got an off air tip? We need to go to Shep. <laughs> oh, well, I'll get a tip. <laughs> It's all right, I'll make it on air.